Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Capitol Hill in an impeachment frenzy. President Trump's team sought to conceal Ukraine calls that he calls perfect. Plus, the whistleblower complaint finally made public. We have it covered from every angle, and we will get fresh reaction from Congressman John Garamendi, a Democrat from California. He'll call in later this hour and we have a team of two insiders to help really gauge whether or not this thing is going to lead to a conviction in the Republican controlled Senate. Amos Sneed is here. He is executive vice president at at Faro, a strategic communications firm headquartered in Washington DC. He's also the co-author of Climbing the Hill: How to Build a Career in Politics and Make a Difference. He wrote it with a Democrat. He uh, And we're also joined by Louis Miranda, former DNC communications director. So two all-stars. But before we dive into what was a very busy day, very busy day, Nancy, on Capitol Hill. I was up there. It was crowded. Lots of lots of foot traffic outside of the uh, hearing room. We begin tonight with a recap of what was the acting director of National Intelligence's day on Capitol Hill. Joseph McGuire testifying before the House Intelligence Committee. He began his testimony this morning uh, moments after the whistleblower complaint was made public in the nine-page document, a narrative. A narrative was spun by this whistleblower, which alleges that over the spanning of four and a half months, President Trump, as well as his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, engaged in trying to get Ukraine officials to play ball according to the whistleblower complaint, to play ball with them on digging dirt on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Now, Republicans reacting in Ernst, saying that this whistleblower complaint is something that was hearsay, something that was based on second and third hand accounts. And that's where we are. We have two all-stars to help navigate through a very complex and fluid situation. Amos Sneed, executive vice president at, at Faro, that is a strategic communications firm headquartered in Washington, D.C. He's worked pro- for prominent Republicans uh, on Capitol Hill as well. Louis Miranda returns, former DNC communications director. And coming up, we'll check in with Congressman John Garamendi, a Democrat from California. I, I want to start here with the hearing Gentlemen, first of all, thank you both for being here. I want to start here with the hearing, and then later on, I want to dive into the process of 
an impeachment and an impeachment trial then in the Senate. But your big takeaways, I'll start with you, Amos, your big takeaways from the hearing today. Kevin, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I think if you look at what happened today, it's following the playbook that we've seen over the past two years, ever since President Trump's been in office. No matter what the event is, it gives both sides enough ammunition, about enough talking points, enough content to go out and tell their side of the story and claim victory. And I think if you were watching the recap and watching what came out of the hearing today, I think that's another case of it. Both sides are going to declare victory and both sides are going to believe they got enough information to continue to move this forward. I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. And I agree that uh, both sides will have plenty to try to latch onto. But unfortunately, that's just what Washington has become lately, where no matter what happens, every side claims victory, no matter what the facts say. I think the Biggest thing to happen today is that uh, the acting DNI did, in fact, uh, support and praise the actions of the whistleblower who did everything by the book. And and, and that's important because uh, the White House is very intent on trying to dismantle the credibility of uh, this person. And and uh, bolstering the credibility is, is an important fact that the DNI did today. Democrats tried to – Democrats raised this issue of – uh, McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence, going to the White House first with regards to the whistleblower complaint, Lewis. Why? Why? I they got the complaint. The complaint was made public. Because there was an effort to keep it from Congress. And, and that's been one of the consistent problems with this White House is that they don't want to play ball with Congress. They don't want to believe that they are subject to oversight. And Congress is a co-equal branch. Uh, it doesn't always act that way. I think that uh, Pelosi not having moved a little bit stronger after the Mueller report, for example, shows that the House isn't always ready to take up its its role as a co-equal branch and hold the executive branch accountable. But it was important that it happened in this instance based on uh, many other uh, examples of how the White House has tried to block Congress from Let's getting access to Let's hear from McGuire, doing. the inspector general. Let's hear from acting director of national intelligence, uh, Joseph McGuire, when he testified about the inspector general who vetted the whistleblower complaint, Amos, and then I'll get your reaction. Here he is. Here's McGuire. I believe that the intelligence community inspector general did a thorough investigation with the 14-day time frame that he had. And under that timeline, to the best of his ability, made the determination that it was both credible and urgent. I have no reason to doubt that Michael Atkinson did anything but uh, his, his, his job. Hey, you know, Kevin, I think if, you've, if you're in Washington long enough, your political party at some point will complain about congressional oversight <laughs> to the White House. I mean, we can just reshape and recycle these talking points every couple of years. So I, I hear your point, Lewis, and I, I've been in your seat and I've, I've had the same complaints. Um, but let's take a bigger – what does this mean on Capitol Hill, right? I mean, this for sure means we're not going to have a conversation about the border. We're not going to have a conversation about guns. USMCA. Uh, USMCA. And, you know, will Infrastructure Week ever finally happen? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. But I think if you look at this, this basically shuts down any legislative activity on Capitol Hill. And going into an election year, you're not going to see a lot of legislating historically anyway but now with this this is straight up campaign mode from now until election day and i think that's such an interesting point we'll talk about the politics of this coming up uh just because if you're if you're you're now like what five six months away from the february 3rd iowa caucuses if you're cory booker if you're beto o'rourke or you're pete Buttigieg, and and the drumbeat of media attention is on impeachment impeachment proceedings the trial of impeachment it's very hard to break through from the top tier candidates. Let's stick for the, with this for now because there was so much that came out of this whistleblower complaint where McGuire was testifying before the House 
uh, Intelligence Committee. Then he met with the Senate behind closed doors. And one of the things that emerged from this narrative of the whistleblower complaint and through the public testimony today was that there were other documents, other transcripts with other calls between President Trump and other foreign leaders that the whistleblower alleges were concealed. Uh, well, I think that the, the, the key concern is that uh, the White House has been trying to categorize the transcripts of uh, the president's calls and the internal documentation of uh, those types of calls in a way through the National Security Council that make it much harder uh, to access and to make available to Congress in, in what should be normal oversight. Uh, and that's a problem. And so the whistleblower did mention that uh, the White House uh, appears to have done that. And it, and it does seem that the White House has been trying to, to block uh, information to this. I think the transcript is, is damning. I think the transcript shows very clearly uh, that there was an attempt by the president uh, to to force a political investigation of an opponent. And this is very different from 2016 when he was just suggesting as a candidate, uh, Russia, if you're listening, please go get these emails. He's actually using the, the power and the instruments of the U.S. government uh, and U.S. Uh, foreign policy to uh, for his own personal interests, for his own political uh, gain and and that's incredibly troubling and it's incredibly different from 2016. Take, much more dangerous. Let's hear let's hear how how McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence, to your point to both your points, uh, reacted to the whistleblower. Here he is talking about the whistleblower's credibility. I think the whistleblower did the right thing. I think he followed the law every step of the way. So so a Amos, I mean, Joe McGuire, five weeks in the job. I mean, he had a task today uh, to to keep politics out of this? Did he succeed? He may have succeeded keeping politics out in his mind, but as soon as he <laughs> delivered it, this goes yeah. political Turn on cable news. immediately. <laughs> yeah, you know, I do think it's worth noting on the whistleblower, and look, the three of us did not hear that, and there was some separation from who actually heard this call right. and then who reported it, and I think we're going to continue to see really hard looks into the political bias of the legal team this whistleblower has assembled. And I think there's more to this story, um, and, and it will continue to trickle out. But he may have succeeded in not framing it in his mind politically, but not in this town, not in 2019. But let's not forget that the inspector general did what he said, what uh, McGuire said was a credible investigation, and it seems to have uh, found that it was consistent with right. the uh, complaint. Coming up, we dive into the politics of this, plus the impeachment process and the White House. How were they reacting? Panel stays. You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg television and Bloomberg radio go Phillies go Eagles you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1 this is Bloomberg sound on with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 it's another witch hunt here we go again it's uh, Adam Schiff and his crew making up stories and sitting there like pious Whatever you want to call them, it's just a really a, a disgrace. It's a terrible thing for our country. Uh, they can't do any work. They're frozen, the Democrats. They're going to lose the election. They know it. That's why they're doing it. That was President Trump speaking earlier today as he departed Joint Base Andrews en route to the White House uh, as he returns from the U.N. Gen General Assembly meetings, reacting to the hearing on Capitol Hill, the impeachment inquiry hearing with the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, following that 
the the Ukraine story and whether or not the president froze military assets to Ukraine, trying to get them to do some political digging on Hunter Biden. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guests with me are Amos Sneed, Executive Vice President at Adferro, strategic communications firm headquartered in D.C. He's also a uh, he previously has worked on Capitol Hill for several Republicans. Louis Miranda returns. He's former DNC communications uh, director. All right. So we talked about what happened uh, on Capitol Hill. Now let's talk about what's next in terms of the process. And, and the markets are, are trying to make sense of this. They didn't really react today. Little to, to, to no reaction off of the hearing today. Uh, and, and there seems to be a consensus here inside of the Beltway, gentlemen, about where policy goes and that this impeachment really creates a hurdle on the likes of uh, drug pricing legislation on USMCA. That path becomes na more narrow, though people are actually still somewhat more optimistic on that. Obviously, on other hot button issues pertaining to the Second Amendment uh, and and other items. But from a procedural standpoint, uh, Lewis, Speaker Pelosi, what's her timetable for bringing articles of impeachment? I think politically speaking, it's got to be um, relatively quick. I mean, the, they would want to be doing this process throughout the fall long before you really get into the Iowa caucuses, the, the distraction of the presidential cycle playing in. She's trying to do this as a co-equal branch and based on her constitutional duty, but there's a political reality, which is that Congress and members of Congress in both chambers are going to be very distracted. Uh, with their own campaigns and the presidential campaign. So the sooner that she's able to move this process forward, the better. All of the television networks, all the big networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, they all carried this hearing. I was surprised. I was, I, I, I'm sure that this administration, and I don't know this for sure, So, but I, I'm sure that this is like there, there's never been in, in recent history an administration that has had the networks break into congressional hearings as much as this. I mean, daytime television fans were frustrated. <laughs> Or maybe they're just bored at this point. Uh, but, uh, Amos, our friends at the Eurasia Group put out the prospects of impeachment at 65%, a conviction trial in the Senate at about 10%. Where do you put uh, – has Speaker Pelosi – I mean, backed herself into a corner in the sense that she has to go down this uh, path? The, the, the reporting has been – it's hard to report on this because some Democrats are saying – they support an impeachment inquiry, which is different than saying you support impeachment. So there's nuance on that front. But from the top line view outside looking in, mass, you know, overlined view, has she backed herself into having to, to, to do this? Kevin, I think if you look at this from Nancy Pelosi's lens, she understands that impeachment is a gift to President Trump for fundraising. It's a gift to him on the campaign trail. And she's known that for months, and that's why she's held her caucus back going down this road. I think, as you saw this week with the freshman House Democrats coming out in that op-ed, and she realized, I can't hold this back any further. So now, yes, she has backed herself into a corner, because now if you don't proceed, this gives the President of the United States an opportunity to stand back and say, see, I told you again this was a witch hunt. So she has no choice but to go down this path. But let's think for a second. So you have barely two-thirds of the House Democrats who are currently supporting impeachment right now, and you have barely one-third of Americans across the country who support it, so right now, I believe Pelosi and the Democrats have put themselves in a corner that they're going to have to spend the next 13 months talking about impeachment. And I believe that's out of step with the priorities of their constituents. So they're, they're already making politically calculated moves. You know, the, the last time we saw this kind of corruption in the White House uh, during Nixon, there, there wasn't support for impeachment. 
uh, just before that process unfolded. So I, I think polling right now is is irrelevant. If the if the House shows leadership, if the investigation shows what uh, this whistleblower complaint is showing, I think that those numbers will change dramatically. All right. So you know, I, I, in terms of I, I let let's put pros, Republicans in the Senate. Sorry, I'm stuttering because Amos. What is their conundrum tonight? Well, all right. Let's just talk about the impeachment process for a second, yeah. right? So House Judiciary Committee opens the impeachment inquiry. The House passes or does not pass articles of impeachment by a majority vote. And then we go over to the Senate and you'd have to have a trial. And then the Senate has to vote for or against impeachment by a two thirds vote. So we need 67 senators to vote for impeachment. So right now, Democrats would need 20 of the 53 Republican senators to vote for impeachment. Wow. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in election year. It's not going to happen. Do you think, Lewis, that I mean, is there is there literally zero chance that 20 Republican senators would get on board? I mean, you heard a little bit from Ben Sass today. You heard a little bit from Senator Mitt Romney. But I, I, you're not even even they are not saying, you know, that they that they are comfortable with impeachment. No, I think that's right. I think the chances of impeachment in the House are very high. Impeachment, though, is an indictment. It is a indictment of a president that then has to go but to a, trial. A conviction. And in the Senate, the conviction is very unlikely because they, they certainly have the numbers to block it. Um, however, I think the more that emerges about the way this oper- this White House operates, the more that a lot of Republicans are uncomfortable about it. So I that I, that I want to pick up on because the, the and then we and coming up we're going to check in with John Garamendi, but you know the, the Washington Examiner, which has a conser- it's a conservative leaning organization, but their editorial today I think really sums up the conundrum for the Romney esque Republicans, which is quote I'm going to read it here quote Trump has difficulty distinguishing between his own interests and those of the country. Different presidents will differ on what exactly best advances the national interest, but Trump didn't even try in this Ukraine phone call. He instead deployed the United States diplomatic capital to advance a partisan political agenda. It was always clear that Trump had would have to learn on the job. The call suggests there are some things he isn't learning at all. I mean, that's a, it's a blistering critique, and coming up, we're going to check in uh, more. They go on to write, it's regrettable, his actions. But that's a long way from saying it should lead to impeachment. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at at, uh, Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Joining us on the telephone line, Congressman John Garamendi. He is a Democrat representing California's 3rd Congressional District. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Your reaction to the hearing on Capitol Hill with the Acting Director of National Intelligence, Joe McGuire. An extremely important hearing and uh, very illuminating in the way in which the president tried to prevent the information from being released. Uh, The role of the uh, 
Justice Department, uh, the way in which uh, they were trying to claim uh, presidential prerogatives uh, didn't happen, but the information's out there. And of most importance is that it, it verifies that the whistleblower had a legitimate complaint, uh, and it was incredibly important, and that the integrity of the American election was being uh, dealt away together with the president's uh, oath of office. Uh, just being ignored, all for political gain, and certainly the security, not only of the United States, but also the security of, uh, of Ukraine. This all issue, so that the president could get manufactured dirt on one of his rivals. This, this issue of the Ukraine, later this month, you are going to be traveling to Ukraine to meet with the nation's leaders. What are you going to be discussing? Is this a bipartisan group? You know Republicans, congressmen are going to say, see that? The Democrats are going over there later this month. Well, it is bipartisan. There are three Democrats and three Republicans on the trip. Uh, it is a, an official uh, uh, mission by the House Armed Services Committee, the Readiness Subcommittee. It was planned. Uh, the planning began in late May. And in the intervening months, a lot of things have happened, uh, including uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Uh, we'll be meeting Saturday with the uh, Ukraine military, uh, their training program in western um, Ukraine, uh, talking to the American uh, military that's there assisting them in training and uh, preparing them, advising, uh, and also looking at the equipment that should be arriving, everything from artillery shells to uh, 50 caliber machine guns, some of which uh, may very well have been held up for 60 days by the president as he... Uh, set about to leverage uh, President uh, Zelensky, Ukraine president, uh, to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. Congressman John, Garamendi, Congressman John Garamendi joins us on the line ahead of that bipartisan trip that lawmakers are taking in the coming days to Ukraine. Congressman, what is the timetable on impeachment? And uh, uh, w will it happen before the end of the year, the calendar year? Is that what folks are aiming for when you're when you're huddled with Speaker Pelosi? Well, if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd probably say March at the <laughs> earliest. Uh, things have developed very, very rapidly. The information from the whistleblower uh, and just yesterday when the president released a uh, the notes of his discussion with uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine, things just blew up. Uh, the evidence of uh, malfeasance, the evidence of corruption, the evidence of uh, extortion, um, all were right there in the president's own words in the conversation. And then the whistleblower uh, adding substance to that. Uh, I, I would expect that the committees will, in the days ahead, undertake to interview the witnesses of the president's corruption that the whistleblower has identified. Uh, as that comes together and uh, the whistleblower's accusations are corroborated by the uh, witnesses that the whistleblower has identified, um, this could happen much quicker. And maybe, I don't know. I don't know when the date's going to be, but it's going a whole lot faster than anybody anticipated. Well, buckle up. You've been so generous with your time. I've got one more policy-based question for you. If you're sure. in your car on your way home from work and you're, and you're trying to decipher what this means for policy, 
as it relates to the USMCA or on drug pricing, how does this, uh, you know, the, the famous cliche on Washington, forgive me, Congressman, is we can walk and chew gum at the same time. But can you walk, chew gum, and hold impeachment hearings at the same time? The answer is yes. Uh, the impeachment hearings will go forward. Uh, and I'll tell you, the House Armed Services and the Senate uh, Armed Forces Committee are all in the midst of a very, very important negotiation on the annual National Defense Authorization Act, which yep. provides all of the authority for the military. Simultaneously, the uh, appropriations that matches those authorities, everything from purchasing airplanes and guns and ships and and the money uh, pay increases and, and all of those, all of that is taking place right now. Uh, I've had meetings today on it. I've got another meeting before this. Uh, I'm, on the, I'm on the conference committee. So all of that is happening. That's just one example. The appropriations committees are working also on trying to figure out how to fund the government. We are, uh, the Senate will hopefully pass a continuing resolution, which gives us about another five or six weeks to uh, finish the appropriation process. All of those things are going on. Government has to operate. And yes, the answer is yes. Uh, the other things, uh, the committee, um, Commerce Committee, I believe, is holding a subcommittee hearing this week, I believe it's either today or tomorrow, it was today or it will be tomorrow. And then uh, in early October, it's anticipated that the uh, drug bill that uh, the Democrats have introduced will move out of the uh, right. committee to the floor before Thanksgiving. And we should note that earlier so this week. The answer to your question is absolutely. And earlier this week, uh, there was a bipartisan banking bill that passed that would allow banks to do business with marijuana. So, you know. Things are getting done. The untold story with our good friend of the program, Congressman John Garamendi, a regular Democrat from California. Very appreciative of your time, Congressman. Thank you. Coming up, Panel Reacts. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, folks, and it's Friday Eve. Chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I was on Capitol Hill all day reporting on that dramatic, fiery hearing that it's still in the political realm, still in the political realm, that hearing the impeachment inquiry as the acting director of national intelligence, Joe McGuire, testifying before the House Intel Committee. Then he went over to the Senate to meet with the Senate Intel. Uh, there's... There's so many moving parts to this, and I'm so glad that we have Amos Sneed here, executive vice president of Adferro, a, a strategic comms firm headquartered in D.C. He uh, also has worked on the Hill for several Republicans. He also co-founded FamousDC.com, which I didn't know, uh, but now I know. Uh, <laughs> and Luis Miranda returns, a former DNC communications director. All right. So I've been trying to sort through this. I was talking about it with my editors off air, on air uh, with, with our colleagues. And the bottom line for me as I end today, based upon my reporting and, and everyone that I've talked with, is that this story is still in the political realm, given that Republicans in office have not deserted the administration. Uh, that obviously could change, but based on all of the developments today, the House Republicans, the House contingency is still backing President Trump. They are still at odds with Speaker Pelosi. 
you move over into the Senate, where they would need, should impeachment happen, a two-thirds vote to convict. Uh, and that's 20 Republicans that would have to join Democrats uh, and in the Republican-controlled Senate. And I just don't see, off of all the statements that are coming out, I see an uneasiness, but I don't see the math. Amos, would you agree with that assessment? Uh, on today, yes, yes, I would agree with that assessment. I think that's that's bound to change, and the the more well, you that agree this, with, that's where we are today. I agree that that's where we are today, but I think that the more that uh, Democrats are able to dig into this through an impeachment inquiry, the more that you could potentially see movement in the Senate. And I think the reason that we haven't seen markets react is because there's almost uh, a now a sense of normalcy around the chaos and craziness of the White House. And as more emerges, and if you start to see even one serious Republican moving, it could really change things. All right, let's go into the market reaction. And I want to divide this into two different points. So stay with me, because the markets don't know how to react to this. And there's a, there's a sense of they priced in the political chaos of the current Washington moment that we find ourselves in. But the other, there's another sense that they don't know they don't know which direction to, to go. You know, I mean, the soybean stocks are going to be impacted by this, given the proximity to USMCA. If impeachment happens and the USMCA path becomes more narrow, bonds, the U.S. dollar, all of that's impacted by all of these headlines. And folks are trying to sort through all of that. So the first point, Amos, that I would make as it relates to the markets is that they're directly tied to the policy that could get punted or delayed as a result of the headline risk coming from impeachment. No? Man, I love that phrase. They, they, the market has priced in political chaos. That, <laughs> political some, volatility index, the VIX. They, 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 the Bloomberg terminal has it all. <laughs> uh, I, I think if you look at this, I mean, their attempt to impeach Trump, we could see some policy changes to the market, um, further intensifying trade wars, imposing more tariffs. Um, but I, I think you're right. This is a now a political reality that has turned into a messaging opportunity for both Democrats and Republicans. And if you look at this, and I think it actually does Trump a favor because it unites a foe against him. He now has something to unite his base against, and that's impeachment. If you're looking at this from the Democratic Party, I don't know who your leader is right now. I don't know if you're listening to the Pelosi wing of the party, the AOC wing well, of that's, the party. Well, that's, that's what I want to pick up on. Yeah. So there's confusion in terms of how the policy delays because of this new Ukraine impeachment story will impact the market. So that there's that element of it. But then there's this other element, which is the fight for control of the Democratic Party. If you look at the polling this week, it has been a solid polling week, Louis Miranda, former DNC comms director, for Senator Elizabeth Warren. Senator, as the, the Ukraine story thrusts the Biden campaign and Hunter Biden into the spotlight, I mean, it's still, it's there. For Elizabeth Warren, should she become the Democratic presidential nominee, she would, that is a very different mantle of economic agenda and tariff agenda than a Biden nomination, right? I, I think that that's true, but I also think that, uh, and it's important to take two tracks on this. One is to clarify that, uh, and as Joe Biden has said repeatedly, that every major me media organization has looked into the allegations against him and have found nothing. Uh, second, I think with Elizabeth Warren, you're also seeing her begin to, to moderate somewhat, to at least uh, begin engaging and outreach 
to more moderate parts of the Democratic Party. I, I, Wall Street's um, never going to. I don't think Elizabeth Warren wants Wall Street. She tweeted out an article today that said, "I'm Elizabeth Warren, and I approve this message." When it, and it played a, a CNBC clip. But she's definitely trying to broaden her base, and so I think there's there's also that dynamic that'll play out. Um, and the Democrats are going to try to proceed on multiple fronts. I mean, you saw today the Senate passed a stopgap bill uh, to keep the government from shutting down, but it includes a measure that forces. Um, a reporting on the impact of the president's trade war, which I think will also become political fodder. Yeah, let's take a look at that. So the president now has, what, two days to sign this to avoid a government shutdown on the 30th? I don't know. I mean, we've seen some crazy things out of this Trump White House. I mean, do you <sighs> think that's in play would at all? Would he do it just – would he shut down the government just to cover up his uh, his, his crisis here? I, I Can I stick possible. with the markets, though, for a second <laughs> and come back to this yeah. point about who carries the Democratic mantle of a nomination because that that there's that is so many implications so much of the trade discussion has been whether or not xi jinping can outlast the trump administration if senator elizabeth warren becomes the nominee or becomes president tariffs are still on the table if bernie sanders tariffs are still on the table uh, and that again i just I, I i think that there is so much sorting through that is that is really a reaction to this, and and I want to follow up on one thing you said, Lewis. Because look, can Democratic voters be critical and support impeachment of the Trump administration, but also feel that Hunter Biden is an illustration of cronyism, not of illegality, of cronyism? Can 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 a Democratic voter be in that camp? Well, it's yet to be seen. I mean, there's nothing that has come out that suggests that there was any wrongdoing on the Biden side. And so but there's uh, the difference between cronyism and, and, and we know there's clearly I mean, like there's a difference between wrongdoing and, and cronyism. Uh, well, that depends. I mean, I think that you, you one of the things that we've tried to do in the United States is to prevent uh, cronyism from defining our government, which is why it's so odd that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump play such senior roles in the White House. Um, but I, I just haven't seen anything credible on the Biden side that would create any issues. Amos? You know, I, just the, the way you look at this, and if you look at what the markets did today, I, I think you're right. I, th- I think there is still, let's price it in, but I, I don't see any spike or I don't see any negative reaction no. just based on this. I think the market is looking at this. Does it, right now, as it stands, impeachment is, is nothing more than political theater. And it's going to turn into a messaging opportunity for both sides. But is this a, is this, is this a liability for the Biden campaign? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I mean, the more that you're talking about Joe Biden and his son and lobbying, I do believe this becomes a liability. I think if this is seen as a political attack by President Trump fearing Joe Biden the most because he feels that Joe Biden is the one who can defeat him, then it can also be a boost. That, that's why the polls, I mean, look, I mean, and we're, we're right in the middle of it, so no one's been able to poll on this. I, I, I can't wait to see these polls about whether or not Americans in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida support impeachment. I can't wait to see how they're polled on the Biden and, and the impact that this has because we just don't know. And it's it's so fluid right now. All right, let's do very quickly uh, uh, impeachment by the end of the year. Yes or no? no. You say no. no. You say no? I say yes. Okay, yeah, I say I, – I, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm just a reporter. <laughs> I want to end on an upbeat note uh, because our friends over at CBS uh, are interviewing Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia on 60 Minutes this Sunday. I cannot wait to watch that. Uh, and this is interesting. Saudi Arabia will drop its strict 
dress code for foreign women as it seeks for the first time to lure holidaymakers and the spending that could help develop the kingdom's economy away from its reliance on oil. Foreign women will not have to wear an abayef, the flowing cloak that's been mandatory attire for decades, though they will be instructed to wear modest clothing, whatever that means, according to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, my thanks to... Amos Sneed, executive vice president of Adfero Strategic Communications Firm, headquartered in Washington, D.C. He's the co-author of Climbing the Hill, How to Build a Career in Politics and Make a Difference. He wrote that with Jamie Harrison, who's currently running as a Democrat for the Senate in South Carolina. Good read. Pick it up. He also co-founded FamousDC.com, an events and media company, uh, and worked on Capitol Hill for the then-House Republican with Roy Blunt, a Republican, and Louis Miranda, former DNC communications director, and a consultant here in town. Thank you both. Amos, this was your first time. Would you come back? Uh, I'll be back, yes. All right. Oh, famous. It's like uh, let me just mention Jamal Khashoggi since you ended on MBS just because it's too bad Trump didn't. Interesting. Zinger from Louis Miranda. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington <laughs> Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions. July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.